Hello, hello, welcome back. It's Tony here. We are back for another episode of Leading Women in Tech. Welcome to the show. Today, I am joined by Martha Avilas, a VP of Marketing at Austin, Texas-based Talru, the award-winning talent attraction platform. With 20 years of high-tech marketing experience in SaaS, semiconductor, networking, and network security at startups, private, public companies, this woman knows her stuff. <laughs> she describes herself as a fierce marketing leader with a gift for building and growing high-performance marketing teams and all the stuff that goes alongside that. And of course, she is passionate about inspiring leadership, which is one of the reasons I got her on the show today. She's got extensive experience in lead gen, integrated marketing, product marketing, public relations, crisis communications, to mention just a few of the few things. But today, we're going to be talking about boxing ourselves and what it means to no longer put ourselves in boxes as women. Before we dive into today's episode, I want to remind you of one thing. Today, later today, if you're listening to this, the day the episode goes live, May 31st, today is the final of the three-part series on LinkedIn Live, where I am discussing with the fabulous Mika Gobig being the only woman in the room. And today we're talking opportunities. So even if you can't join us live, it is happening at 5pm UK, 9am Pacific, that is noon Eastern. If you can join us during in live, go to my profile, find the event, we'll be going live. If you're on LinkedIn and you follow me, you'll know when I go live anyway. Alternatively, go and find the event and watch the replay. This is going to be juicy. This is going to be about turning sometimes what we view negatively about being the only woman in the room into a real opportunity because there are opportunities there. If you've missed parts one and two of this three-part series, you can go and find those on my profile as well. These are fabulous conversations. Go and check them out. We've had such an amazing response from them. So go and find out what we're talking about. So without further ado, let's get her onto the show. You're listening to the Leading Woman in Tech podcast, where we talk about real leadership and what this means for the world of tech, the techniques, tips, and strategies you can use to become a standout leader. I'm your host, Tony Collis, tech leadership coach, strategist, and coffee lover. And in each episode, I share my best insights designed to make your success not just simple, but inevitable. Whether you're on the way to the C-suite, an emerging leader, or a budding entrepreneur, this is the podcast you need to become a lit-up leader and turn your tech passion into a career you love. Welcome to the show, Martha. It's great to have you here. Thanks, Tony. I appreciate you having me. I would love to start with one of my favorite questions. Everybody that comes on the show basically gets asked this question. Can you share with us your career journey, your highlights, the lowlights, and why you're now passionate about being a woman in tech and a leader? Yes, of course. So um, a little bit about the journey. So I graduated shortly after uh, 9-11. I don't know if you guys recall, but the economy was a bit soft after that. Um, and so I started in startups because there were not a lot of companies hiring at the time. Um, I really truly believe that I actually made my career. I've been doing um, tech startups for the last 20 or so years. There have definitely been some highlights and there have definitely been some lowlights throughout that time. Um, I would say some of the highlights are truly being able to learn a lot of different technologies. So I've been part of semiconductors, networking, network security, um, part of over 20 mergers and acquisitions. So I've seen a lot of change. I've gotten to experience a lot of different companies, which has been amazing. 
in that time <laughs> because there's been so much change. I think a lot of times people think that startups are sexy. It is really fun. And, and that's true, right? I'm a builder through and through. So um, I'm not one that likes to come in and optimize. I want to build things from scratch. But sometimes you <laughs> you get to see companies that that don't do well or or they fail, right? So a couple of lowlights that come to mind. Um, I was at a Austin Unicorn in 2020 when the pandemic hit and it was an oil and gas. And I don't know if you guys mm. <laughs> recall, but in March of 2020, there was this little thing called coronavirus. <laughs> it had not yet been declared a <laughs> pandemic. Um, but also at the time in oil and gas, um, there was some tension <laughs> between Russia, the Saudis, and what happened was is that oil actually went negative, like the price per barrel. And so I ended up having to lay off 70% of my team and it, it, it was brutal. And so I would say that that was probably one of my most recent um, lowlights. And so anyway, I'm telling you all of that because with any career, I would say it's not this beautiful... Um, climb up the mountain or just a beautiful ladder that's straight up. It's it's very much like jumping across the pond on various lily pads. And sometimes you feel like you take a couple steps back and then some steps forward. But I'm really passionate about leadership because I think it's important to leave people better than they found them. I think it's important to have representation of women and people of color and, and start, this is so cheesy, Tony, but start being the change that you want to see, right? Um, and so, yeah, that's why I do what I do. I, I love that. I don't think that's cheesy at all. I, I always say I'm here to change the world. And I remember when I first started saying that, which is like, I can remember quite clearly, it was 2012 and I started saying, I'm here to change the world. And I would giggle because <laughs> I thought it was somehow wrong that I should say that. And I'm like, no, no, I am truly here to change the world. So I don't think it's cheesy at all. Like if, I think if more people lived with the attitude of like, this is what I'm meant to do. And if for you, it's be the change you want to see. I think that's beautiful. I wish more people were doing that. And I hope anybody listening to this is inspired to embrace the thing that they think maybe, maybe the thing everybody's judging them for. Maybe it's cheesy. Maybe it's, you know, some something judgy is going on. If it feels true to you, just embrace it. I think that is such a powerful thing to do, right? Well, Thank you. I, I appreciate you saying that. I will say it was a struggle to get there, right? And I think we're going to talk about that in this episode. But I think it is, yeah. I mean, if if you want the world to be different, then be different, you know? Well, yeah, let's go straight on into that struggle. Tell us some of the struggles that you've had to experience. Obviously, you touched on some of the lowlights, but let's talk about the struggles that you've experienced, uh, particularly as a Latina in tech. Tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah. So, I mean, this is something that um, I I didn't realize. It's funny that you said 2012. So in 2012, I was determined to get an MBA. I was determined to get an MBA because I wanted to be a CEO. And I thought it would be an important card to have in my back pocket because, you know, people needed to know that I knew how to do profit and loss statements and finance and all of these things that on paper would look great. And while I'm not discounting any of those things, what I quickly uh, realized through getting my MBA is that having a network was really important. Mm -hmm. Having an advocate at work was really important. Having representation at work was really important. And I quickly realized that I had never really met a Hispanic or a Latina 
executive. And I'm not saying they don't exist, Tony, but mm-hmm. to this day in my career, I haven't met one. Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> and so there was a paradigm shift in my mind where I was like, wait, this whole time in my career, I've been trying to be something that I'm not, right? I had gotten feedback to express myself in a different way or to be more like, insert a a white male name here. And I was really trying to be some something and someone that I that I'm not. And I had this realization um, between 2012 and 2014 while I was getting my MBA that that wasn't going to happen for me. And at first, I'm going to be honest, it was very challenging and really hard. And I was a little bit devastated is going to sound like a hard word, but I was devastated. I was like, man, this is this isn't going to happen for me. But then I realized if it's not going to happen for you that way, you need to figure out your own path and create your own box and stop comparing yourself. Mm. And when I had that kind of reframing and I shifted away from trying to be <laughs> a male executive that I was never going to be, it helped me kind of embrace who I am and appreciate my my strengths and and kind of own my power a little bit more and then embrace that like I have a different background. My parents are um, Nicaraguan Im- immigrants. I'm a first generation American. I am Hispanic. I'm a Latina. It's it's different and that's okay and it's actually wonderful, right? But it's taken a, a long a long journey, a lot of self introspection, a lot of seeking and searching and learning to get there. Mm. I, I think it's it's really interesting the fact that you had to appreciate that you had to find your own way. I that's something I basically see everybody I work with go through. Um, there's an interesting question in my mind now. The more experienced I am in the work that I do, whether or not actually men go through this too, <laughs> yeah. it's just it's less extreme for them. I think the more you fit into the stereotype, and obviously as a white woman. The only stereotype I don't fit into is my gender, right? I, I know I'm incredibly mm-hmm. privileged in that respect. And I, sus- I, I'm beginning to appreciate that everybody has to go through this journey of understanding, I have to find my own path. I can't just copycat. It's just harder when you have far fewer role models out there and fewer examples to say, okay, yeah, I can trailblaze. Would you agree with that statement? Absolutely. And also, I think now, I would say in the last decade, people have started to embrace vulnerability and being gritty and being persistent and talking about the challenges. But before, people only wanted to talk about the highlights in people's careers. And so if you were comparing yourself to a highlight reel, it was very difficult. (laughs) And you didn't realize that there were low low moments in people's careers and that there was a lot of persistence that was required into being a trailblazer, right? There, yeah. People only saw the accolades and the highlights. And again, when you're comparing yourself to someone's highlight reel, it's difficult. It's going to be difficult. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think there's a, there's a really interesting like kind of nuance to all of this, everything you're saying, because yes, we've now all appreciated that the highlight reel, the what's posted on Facebook and LinkedIn is the rosy picture, right? Because that's what we have to portray, or at least what we think we have to portray. And then equally, I'm also saying that actually, I think everybody has to appreciate that they have to find their own path. And it's just harder for some of us than it is for others. And I think maybe what we need to appreciate, there's, there's some middle ground, rather than thinking it's all rosy, and 
or it's all going to be really hard, which is the other thing. I think some of the conversations that are have been happening in the last few years around being a woman, being a minority, it's focused on how hard it is, which is true. And I'm not belittling how hard it is. But I think sometimes we damage our own resilience by focusing on how tough it's going to be rather than appreciating it can also, some of it's going to be easy. Some of it's going to surprise us with how easy it is. But if we only, if we only look for the hard bits, it's almost necessarily going to be hard. Do, do you, would you agree with that as well? Or do you think I've gone too far? <laughs> You're welcome to disagree no. with me. <laughs> no, I, I totally agree with that. And, I, and I'm not trying to diminish the work or the parts that are hard because I've had to do a lot of that and I'm still a yeah. work in progress. But I think we need to think our, of ourselves as our whole story and as yeah. whole people. And it is super important, the stories that we tell ourselves as well. Um, and that's a little bit about, I don't know if I mentioned this earlier, but I think I did, um, embracing our own power. So you have to be careful about the story that you tell yourself. If you feel less than or you feel like, oh, well, I don't see anyone else around me and I'm scared. I don't see anyone else around me um, that looks like me or behaves like me or has my background and that scares me. And you take that as a negative, it will affect you negatively. And it has affected me negatively. But if you take it as a challenge and you're empowered by it, like, oh, I feel like I'm in this special place. Let me be different. Let me act different. Let me make my own box. It's empowering. Does that make sense? And it's two sides of the same coin. So it really depends on how you frame it. Yeah, 100%. Okay, well, let's let's move that on because I think that's a nice introduction to my next question for you. What do you think are the most important, five most important areas that we as women leaders need to be aware of and work on? Yeah, so let's start with one that we I think we've we've touched on and we're not here to beat a dead horse, but I think it's about redefining our box, right? Let's stop comparing ourselves to white male executives and embrace embrace who we are and get out of that box. We're not in that box. We never will be. <laughs> Let's move on from that. Um, I think a second one that, that we've already touched on a little bit is um, that persistence and grit, right? It's not all a highlight reel and it is going to take a lot of persistence. You're going to have to be gritty. You're going to have to be resilient. But I think with anything that you want to be good at, that's what it takes, right? If you talk to Olympic athletes, uh, people that win Nobel Peace Prize, I mean, nothing. Great things don't come easy, right? And so we, we can't forget that. I think defining your success is important. That goes back to the box, but you have to decide for yourself what success looks like. What your, to your point, what is the impact on the world you know, that you want to lead and live by look like, and then define that. And then you measure your success, how you define it versus how conventional wisdom or the rest of the world would define it. Um, so I think that's important. And that goes back to exactly what we were talking about, about your own path. Um, so that would be third. I would say a fourth is advocating, not only advocating for yourself and finding advocates for you, but doing the same, like, um, I didn't, I didn't come up with this. It's not unique uh, to me, but reaching back uh, and making sure that you're advocating for other women, for other minorities, for people of color. It's important, right? Not to forget when you've reached the top or you're near the top, don't forget to reach back and make sure that you've built a community of people that advocate. I think that is super important. That is how we're going to make change faster. 
And lastly, I don't know, this might be a little bit unpopular, Tony, so feel free to push back on me. But <laughs> I think I think it's around um, simplifying. So what I what I mean by that is as women, what I have noticed um, is that we want to do it all. And what I mean by that, and I am <laughs> I am speaking about myself here, is we want to have the perfect house, the perfect job. We want to never forget Tony's birthday. Make sure we got the perfect gift. We want to do all of these things. And our list is miles long every day. It's a scroll that falls out of our bags. And there's all these things we have to do. But if we're constantly taxing ourselves with a million things, it's going to be really difficult to make an impact. So what is it that we can do to simplify? What is it that we can do to outsource certain things? What is it that we can do so we can really focus on what makes the most meaningful impact in both our lives and in others. And sometimes it's hard. We get into the weeds and we, and and I'm speaking for myself here. This is, I need to listen to myself when I say this. Um, Sometimes it's really hard and you want to be everything to everyone, but that's not possible, right? So what are the few things that we want to focus on and simplify? And I'm not saying we can't have it all, but we can't have it all at once. And so how do we simplify Mm. that and boil it down and make sure that for making the most impact. Hopefully that makes sense. I, I don't think that last one was contentious at all. I'm like <laughs> nodding away and like, I want to give you a round of applause for that. I completely agree with you. And I think um, it speaks to several things you mentioned there. Like, you know, it isn't that we can't have it all. And I applaud you for saying that. Um, I know it's becoming fashionable to, to acknowledge we can't have it all. Um, and I know why people do that. I think it is to take the pressure off, which is really what you're getting at with Simplify. Like you, I believe we can have it all. We've just got to do it in a timely manner that makes sense. And I think we've got to understand that along the way, we're going to make trade-offs and that's not wrong. Like, like we can have it all. It just, you know, you're on a journey for the rest of your life. So take your time getting there. But it's actually, it's really funny. I was having a conversation with my mother a few months back where she was talking about how, you know, she'd missed like a couple of birthdays or something like this. And, you know, this is a woman who is caring for my father who has dementia. I've talked about that on the show before. Um, You know, it's a full-time job looking after my father, right? It is exhausting. And the idea that she's somehow a failure for forgetting some dates Mm -hmm. or not being timely on stuff, I'm like, what? Um, and I said to her, well, like, I calendarize all of that. Like, I just, it just, I don't take care of it. It's all in my calendar. As soon as like, something comes up, a birthday or something like that, I find out about something, it goes in my calendar. I've probably got like five things a week popping up in my calendars, like reminders for things. I, my shopping list, my mom used to always remember her shopping list. She would never write it down. I'm like, <laughs> there would be no hope. <laughs> and I think we need to take that attitude. As women, we take on the project management of our lives and our families' lives a lot. Right. And so we are running on empty. And I think part of the simplification piece, I would say, is being aware that you don't have to project manage everything. And even if you do decide to take all that on, use it. you would use tools in your day job to do it. So use tools in your personal life. If you can afford to, bring in help. Bring in somebody totally. to take care of some other jobs. Like mow the lawn, you know, do the weeding, do the cleaning if you can afford to. And just say to them, own that. Like in the same way you would with your team. You get people to own problems and only raise up to you when there's an issue. We should do that with our entire lives, right? <laughs> totally. I read a book this a couple summers ago. I think it was Rachel Rogers' book. And she said, treat yourself as your highest revenue generating 
piece of your life. And so if it's not re- generate, if it's not generating revenue, don't do it and outsource it or have someone else do it. Or And I was like, oh, but I have to remind myself about that all the time yeah. because there's such a pride in like, oh, well, I made the perfect cookies. You know what? Buy the cookies. <laughs> like, yeah. Buy the cookies <laughs> or whatever it is, right, that you have to do so that you can simplify and focus your energy where it's most appropriate. And then, yeah, you're not overwhelmed mm-hmm. to your point. And build those systems. If it's reminders for everything on your calendar or whatever it is, do it. Build those systems yeah. so that your life is simpler. Yeah. I just want to, I, I loved all your five things. I also wanted to touch on the persistence and grit there. Yeah. Because um, I think resilience also, like I would say persistence and grit requires resilience or maybe they encompass resilience as well. Mm-hmm. And I'd love to just ask you, when the going gets tough, what are, what is your favorite resiliency tip? Like, how do you keep that grit? Like, what keeps you going? Because you're right, sometimes to do great things, it's hard. It doesn't always have to be hard, but a lot of the time to be different, to be better than the rest, you're going to go through a barrier that other people haven't gone through. So how do you, how do you deal with the resilience you need to get through those things? Well, a couple things. One, let's say you have a bad day or a bad out a bad couple hours like let's say you flop on a presentation let's just say you really hosed it give yourself the grace to have that feeling right like <laughs> you you really mess this up sometimes we we don't give ourselves the grace to even feel that we messed up now i'm not saying have two bad weeks over it but give yourself the grace okay you messed up you need to have the feeling but then you have to figure out how to move forward instead of it having looming over you. So have the feeling and then think about all the great things that you've done. Think about times where you felt really good. Figure out how to recenter yourself, whatever that is. Some For some people, it's working out. For some people, it's creating something. Maybe it's cooking. Maybe it's whatever. And then the next day you start over like you've had a clean slate, you know, and you can't let those bad moments define you because if they did, you would be a miserable person, <laughs> right? <laughs> and you have to know that the greatest people that re- remember the highlight reel of people that you're comparing yourselves to, whether it's the household names that we know, the billionaires or whatever people on LinkedIn that you follow, they've had bad moments too, and they have to move past them. Right. So I think it's mm-hmm. twofold. Let yourself feel them, but then do what you need to do to refill your bucket and move on the next day. And you know, you just got to keep getting up. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. Okay. Let's shift gears a little bit. You mentioned in those five things about the box that we put ourselves in. So let's dig into that for a second. How can we think about that box differently, the box we put ourselves in? And what does this mean? And how can we create our own box? Yes. So I guess I'll give you some examples here. Um, For years, uh, I would sit in executive meetings or in a boardroom and think, man, I really wish I were like, insert name here, Scott, Matt, whomever. And I didn't realize this. It was conscious that I was thinking that thought, but I didn't realize how it was affecting me subconsciously until one day I was sitting with my executive coach in a heap of tears, if I can be frank. And I was like, I will never be like, and I thought, you know, and when I said it out loud is when I realized like, well, how could I possibly be like Scott, for example, like that he, and this isn't actually a real person. (laughs) That's not a real name, but you know, (laughs) imagine a six foot two tall white man, like 
he communicates differently than me. We have different skill sets, different strengths, like it would never happen. And so what I realized when I said that out loud is that even though I would never be like this person physically and background and that sort of thing is that I needed to focus on my own strengths and what, what were the things that I could bring to that table instead of comparing myself to this box, if you will. And so through that process of working with my um, executive coach, what I realized, um, and this is not to sound arrogant, but for me personally, I'm really good at looking at data and spotting trends. I'm not great at looking at like digesting a ton of data and understanding like every little micro increment of the data, but I'm able to see like, oh, well, this is interesting. This is an anomaly or is this a trend? And so through work with my coach, what I realized is like, oh, what I bring to the table is like, I can see different trends and I can understand how that affects like customer behavior. I run marketing. And so that's super helpful for what I do. And I started to define my own box. And instead of feeling insecure because I couldn't do a statistical analysis and give you like, you know, three standard deviations from this number, it would be this. I'm like, that's okay. I don't, I add value in a different way when I'm sitting at this table and my box is different. And so kind of redefining the value that I bring to the table and how I think about myself is how it helped me realize like, I don't, I need to stop comparing myself to this box. Yeah, absolutely. I, th I think that is really pertinent for us because we do love to compare ourselves to everything and everybody and we're our own unique wonderful people and that is the value we, we bring to the table right if we mm -hmm. start trying to box ourselves one it's exhausting to be the person we're not right we know this one of the reasons burnout is so high in underrepresented groups every type of underrepresented group is you're trying to be like the majority and that's not who we are but it also devalues our contribution because part of our unique contribution is our diversity of experience and thought. And if we don't bring that to the table, everybody's missing out, not just us. Totally. So I, I love I love your thoughts there. Okay, um, as a Latina in tech yourself, I'd love to take a moment to chat about intersectionality as a woman, as Latina, Hispanic, in that diversity context. Can you share with us a little bit about your journey and how it's been different from other women in tech? Yeah, Um so I think it's, a, so my dad is an engineer and I think that that's how I got started in tech. Um, I, <laughs> coming from immigrant parents, our career options were doctor, lawyer, engineer. I wasn't pleased with any of those as a child. And so I ended up as a marketer, but working in tech companies. Um, I would say my journey has been different, as I mentioned earlier, because I never really I mean, I don't think I have to this day met a uh, Latina or Hispanic executive um, in my career, which makes me sad. I know they exist. <laughs> I know they're out there. I just, I, I haven't um, met one. And so I would say that it's, it's just different to not be able to have a role model or to have um, someone to be able to bounce ideas off of or say, is this, is this normal? Because as humans, we seek connection and people always, it doesn't matter who you are. You want to, whether you have a podcast or a presentation, you want to like look to your neighbor and say like, how did I do? Was that okay? You know? And I didn't have anyone that looked like me or sounded like me that I could do that with necessarily. But 
uh, I would say that I've really, I've now really embraced it and I enjoy it and I, I advocate for women of color. And so I, I feel responsible and blessed, honestly, to be in the position that I'm in. And I, like I said, I want to reach back and make sure that other women out there know that they can reach out to me and we can talk about it. And I'm not saying that I've had a typical experience, but I can at least share my experiences and there might be something that someone Mm -hmm. can learn from there. And I can always learn from other people's experiences as well. Oh, just having you on the show is incredible. And actually, I'm hoping that somebody listening to this feels more empowered as a result of hearing you. Um, let's wrap up with the quick fire round. So these are some quick questions I like to ask at the end of every episode. Sure. Um, what is the worst piece of advice you've ever been given? I can think of two, but I think I'll choose my favorite, which is like, why can't you be more like, insert man's name here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, that's, yes. That's a terrible one. Okay. Bad advice. Hopefully everybody knows now why that's a terrible thing. Listen to this episode. Okay. The best piece of advice you've ever been given. Uh, Embrace your edge. You're different and we want to hear from you. Beautiful. Okay. Last book you read. Well, the last, I'm currently listening to Viola Davis's book right now and I'm almost done. Her new memoir that just came out like a couple of weeks ago and it's incredible and intense, but I highly recommend it. (laughs) Okay, cool. I have to look that one up. Okay. I also like to ask for a mindset moment. So a simple mindset tip, one of your favorites maybe to help people in their leadership journey. Any favorite mindset tips? Yeah, I think um, this is a great hack that has worked for me. So if you find yourself nervous or overwhelmed or stressed, breathing, like you would not believe Mm. how much taking a deep breath and sitting back and thinking of a time where you felt truly empowered and centered in your body. It can take a minute to kind of re reframe your brain and get you in a much better headspace. And so do that before you have a difficult conversation or a presentation that you're nervous about or something like you would not believe I, I I'm a dork and I read a lot about the brain body connection and you would not believe how much it helps to retrain your brain just with breath work. So 100% agree with that one. Fabulous. Okay. How can people connect with you to find out more? Uh, well, I'm on LinkedIn, um, Martha Aviles. I don't know that there's that many out, <laughs> out there. So please uh, connect with me on LinkedIn. And I'm also uh, our company, Talru.com. I'm on the leadership page, but feel free to check out the website and connect with me there as well. Perfect. I will put both those links in the show notes. So if you're listening and you want to connect with Martha, go ahead and click over to your show notes in your favorite podcast player. Any final thoughts you'd like to share with us today, Martha? Yeah, I would just say, I would say, listen, we all are unique and you have to embrace those things. And don't forget that a lot of things are a double-edged sword. So it's two sides of the same coin. Don't forget to reframe things, keep getting back up every day. And it's, it's a marathon, not a sprint for sure. It's a marathon, not a sprint. Thank you so much for joining us today, Martha. This has been incredible. Thanks for having me, Tony. We'll talk to you later. And remember, listeners, stay on your tech leadership game, follow your dreams, because the world really does need that uniqueness that you bring as a leading woman in tech.
If you enjoyed listening to this podcast, check out how to get more of my help and some free resources. It's where I take what I talk about in this podcast and really help you apply it. Hop on over to tonycollis.com and check out Work With Tony and free resources in the menu bar. Until next time, this was Tony Collis on the Leading Woman in Tech podcast.